Welcome everyone to Podcast by Ignite, episode two. We made it, we did it. Uh, we have a lot of fun things to talk about this episode. Ninja is back on Twitch. Shroud has kind of had some teasers. I have a fun little podcast segment for Emmett, uh, my guest today. So Emmett, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Back yeah. to Wednesday, episode number two. I'm excited. It's crazy. I, I didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, it's fun though. I it was nice kind of watching back the first one. We had some people commenting on the Instagram, uh, which it's i g uh, n t e dot g g. If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, so we had kind of some user feedback, which is good now for the second podcast. But we can just dive right into it with Ninja if you want. Let's do it. Let's yeah. start with Ninja. He streamed today for the first time on Twitch in just about a year. It's a little over a year. He had a deal with Mixer going on for a while. Mixer kind of started to go under, so they dropped him. Uh, did you watch the stream at all? I didn't watch any of the stream, but I do have some feelings about it. Uh, <laughs> what are they? Uh, well, basically, he did a test stream on YouTube, uh -huh. I think about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And he did really well on YouTube. And the... The big talk was he could have gone to Facebook gaming right away when Mixer got acquired. Mm -hmm. So we kind of knew that that wasn't what he wanted. He didn't want to go to Facebook gaming because he turned down whatever their deal was right away. And it would be unlikely that they came with a, a better deal. Um, most people assumed he would go back to Twitch since that's where he came from. Yes. But there was a lot of drama when Ninja left Twitch because that was the first time Twitch had a really really big streamer leave and they didn't really know how to handle his channel so for a while they were just linking it to other Fortnite streamers at the time since that was the game that he was known for and people were actually getting like really bad stuff basically mm. on his name like some people were streaming porn and like basically like Whoa. really really bad stuff and it was showing up on his Twitch stream yeah and you know that's really bad considering most of his audience are younger kids and everything too. So that was definitely not the way that Twitch should have handled it. So I think there might have been a little bit of bad blood there. Uh, but yeah, so his choices really, after turning down the Facebook deal, were between YouTube and Twitch. And I thought that YouTube was actually going to be the move for him. Yes. I know that he could come back to Twitch and, and be big, and the numbers in this article show it, but he has 24 million subscribers or something like that on, on YouTube. And all of those people that love him but didn't love him enough to sign up for Mixer were only consuming his content on a platform like YouTube for, like you said, about the past year. Like, that's the only way that they were watching him at all. So... All of his audience, pretty much, that's still around is going to be a very active on his YouTube community. And when he did the YouTube test stream, he was able to get up to about 165,000 viewers on YouTube test stream. Hmm. Now, that beats out these Twitch numbers that were shared in this Polygon article that we have, um, where he hit 96,000 viewers and it says, and climbing. I don't know the number that he might have actually gotten to. I'm sure it's somewhat comparable, mm -hmm. but you got to understand like everyone watched him for his videos on YouTube. And if they got a notification that, hey, Ninja just went live to 24 million subscribers. I mean, that has a huge amount of pull for your community. So I don't know 
if you were already subscribed or followed Ninja and he came back, like this, were they able to turn all of that back on on Twitch so he has that community instantly again? Or is that something like, is he on a brand new Twitch account with no followers that he had to rebuild? I'm sure they were able to recover some of it, but yeah. still... That was back when Twitch was very, very early in this whole deal. They had never lost a streamer like that before, so I'm not really sure how they handled everything. Yeah, because I was watching. I didn't realize he had gotten so many views on the YouTube test stream. I think the max he got today, uh, it, it was about 105,000, which is pretty good. But yeah. uh, one of the things is he doesn't have subscribers going. He doesn't, he, he has followers on now, but I mean, he lost all affiliate status and everything, but he's back onto his old Ninja Twitch account. I know that much because that's where I was watching it. Um, but I mean, he had a lot of viewers back. It was averaged around 60 something thousand, which peaked at point. So, I mean, he, he's definitely back for Twitch. I know, I know he was talking about like he's after whatever's going to build his brand the biggest and even talking about bringing the ninja brand past gaming and moving on to stuff like that that's what he's after now i obviously he's not going to get as sweet as a deal as he just got where you stream for a year and make 30 million dollars or however much money it was um so there, there would also be something to be said of if he's really there about building the audience and building his brand would you sign an exclusive deal with anyone because he doesn't really need to make money off of these platforms right now. Would you consider setting up a multi-stream setup for somebody like him and stream simultaneously to the 100,000 people on Twitch and 150,000 people on YouTube? Mm. I mean, that would be the biggest way to be everywhere. Yes. Now, the channel that he has on YouTube, that's his own, like, his personal channel that he had been posting content to? Yeah, so, you know, he has his team of editors, okay. so he's constantly releasing videos, probably, like, yeah. every day. And he just, with the Mixer deal, he wasn't allowed to stream to that, but they were allowed to have video. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. Oh, okay. So, so the way the Twitch deal works, and I, I'm an affiliate now, and it's the same way for me, um, you can't post content created on that platform for 24 hours after, which, I mean, it's not very restrictive, because no. most of these people have editors and everything, they're only going to turn it around so fast, right? But... You, that basically just keeps you from being able to stream to both platforms. So it keeps a little bit of exclusivity to Twitch. You can only stream on Twitch, blah, 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 blah. But then 24 hours later, I could edit up the video of my whole stream and post it to YouTube. No problem. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. You like YouTube gaming, right? You think that they could compete with Twitch? 100%. Yeah? Why? So... Twitch, their their biggest problem, and here, here's why they don't really address it, it's not a problem for people that are already big. This isn't a problem for somebody like a Summit or a Ninja or somebody like that. Uh, it's a problem for all the people getting started, hmm. and that is that their discoverability is awful. Unless I know exactly what I'm looking for, like I'm going to go watch Ninja stream. It, it's impossible to come across a new streamer that's really good and all of that. YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world, second to Google, mm -hmm. who owns them. Who, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why you get on YouTube and I get recommended all of these videos that YouTube already knows I'm going to love because of what I watch. And you don't get that on Twitch. I don't pull up Twitch and I see 
oh, there's this small streamer that's kind of similar and blah, 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 blah to another streamer you like. Uh, check him out because he's live right now. And if they were able to do something like that on Twitch, they could compete. But Google has been building algorithms like this for longer than anybody yeah. at this point. So if I was going to bet on anybody for a discoverability algorithm, it would be Google slash YouTube. And you're already going to be a part of the most prestigious video platform there is. It's no, it's not easy to become a YouTuber anymore. You pretty much have to be producing full-on movies oh, to yes. get to the super high levels of YouTube. So streaming is going to be the same way. Right now, Twitch is kind of viewed as that. People still think your ceiling on Twitch is higher than your ceiling on YouTube as a streamer. But, I mean, Ninja just streamed on both, got 50,000 more viewers on YouTube. How true is that anymore? YouTube's audience as a whole is significantly larger than a Twitch audience because Twitch doesn't have any video content. There's no on-demand content I could watch on Twitch. But with YouTube, having that together with your, your video content could be super powerful because if I was going to go watch one of your videos because I like watching your videos and you're alive, I would tune into your live stream because I was going to watch you anyway. Or if you're not live and I wanted to see you, then I have all of these really nicely edited videos in the same place. So I, I actually see YouTube winning this in the long run. I feel like it would be uh, in their best interest. I feel like they have the motivation to. The biggest thing that's setting them back right now is updating YouTube gaming and how it works and like the experience itself for everybody. But I think that they're going to overcome that. I definitely believe in Google's team behind that to make it's, that happen. Yeah. If anyone can, it's Google. And they've already yeah. kind of already shown that with how far YouTube gaming has come in just, I mean, because how old is YouTube gaming now? Yeah, not just, very just old a at few all. few years compared to Twitch, especially. And they've picked up a couple notable streamers, mm -hmm. which are a pretty big deal. Um, so I'm sure if they keep doing that, more people will come to YouTube gaming. I, I watch more esports on YouTube than I do on Twitch. Absolutely. Which is wild because normally Twitch has most of them. Yeah, because on Twitch, you have to fit your schedule to the streams whereas on youtube i mean you get home from work if you have any time during the day it's easy to just pull it up and watch it yeah. that way because uh, i don't watch too many people live now but i watch plenty of streams that are posted onto youtube that's, yeah. that's pretty much how i do it now i'm not on twitch nearly as much and with uh twitch if i'm trying to find new streamers i just click a game i want to watch and then kind of shuffle through Whereas, like you said, on YouTube, they tell me exactly what I want to watch. They know the games I've been looking at. They know kind of the content creators that I like watching. So I get recommended plenty of, you know, smaller channels where maybe they're getting less than 100,000 views or something like that. But smaller channels where it's, it's exactly what I want to watch and it's just easy to find so much more content on yeah. YouTube than it is on Twitch. Now, not to get it twisted, Amazon owns Twitch, so it is definitely a battle of the giants. But the Amazon, I mean, the only thing I guess you could compare video platform-wise would be like Amazon Prime Video, but that's more like TV shows comparing it to like Netflix or something like that. YouTube is definitely the best platform to just like add on a really good live streaming, gaming yes. platform, and it will just blow up. That's mm -hmm. A, a no-brainer because if you're a smaller content creator and you don't have a team of people it's easy for you to stream live on youtube 
put that directly onto your channel and then you're just dealing with one community. You know, you're, you're not yeah. having to handle two entirely different platforms every single time you want to try and make content. So that's now true. there is, is something to be said about diversifying to a certain extent because you don't want to end up in a situation like a lot of these Mixer streamers who built up a community only on Mixer and then Mixer just one day tweets out, hey, we're gone, mm -hmm. which was like the worst way that they could have handled that in my opinion. Like that was very disrespectful to all the people that have dedicated themselves to that platform and making their living off that platform. But I mean, so yeah, a lot of streamers now won't go to YouTube just because they don't want to go all in on YouTube. But if I, if I was going to go all in on a company, it would be Google. I do all in on Google with a lot of my dev stuff. And I mean, I've never had any issues with them. Yes. So, and what might be best for a streamer is if you stream on YouTube, you're probably not going to get many people that watch the stream and then go back and watch the YouTube video. Whereas if you're on both markets, Twitch and YouTube, you're going to have an entirely different sector of people that are only either going to see the stream or the video. And yeah. so, you know, you're probably not doubling your market share, but you're certainly increasing it without, you know, having to put in too much work. And it's to be clear, discoverability on YouTube isn't fantastic anymore either because no. there's so much competition uh it used to be great but now it's not you have to be really good and you're all, also there's stuff like your account has to be so old before they'll start recommending your videos because they don't want to start recommending you to somebody just for you to stop making videos and then them not get to see any more content so no matter what you have to diversify amongst your instagram twitter Facebook and then even like TikTok now and all of those things you have to really do all of that yes. and that's definitely a challenge for some streamers uh, especially at the beginning levels but the more you do that the better and now people are switching to, from saying you need to stream eight hours a day to saying you need to stream eight hours three times a week and then every other day just be cutting up those things into funny little videos and that'll actually do more for your streaming and your career than just constantly streaming all the time. Yeah, it's just all about diversifying the content you're putting out. Because uh, yeah. like you said, back in the day, the best, the most popular Twitch streamers were the people who were streaming for 50 hours a week, 50 plus hours a week. Yeah. Uh, and they had so many viewers because they were just constantly on. Yeah, you uh, knew you could always open up the stream and watch them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, some of them, before there was the just chatting category way back when, some of them were basically just doing that. They'd play a game for a little while, and it was mostly just kind of interacting with the community yeah. um, because it's, that's easy to do while streaming. Now, interacting with the community is a multi-layer process where, like you said, you have to be doing it on social media. Uh, just all all of them are tied together and important. Yep. Yep. But it's, it's interesting to go back to Ninja. It's interesting to see... Do you think he's waiting on a deal offer, or do you think he's just going to be on Twitch now? Is, is he just back I'm on Twitch? I'm not sure. He might still be playing the whole deal of where can I get the most money, mm. which you can't blame him. That's just part of the game now at this at this level. But he just got a huge payout. If he really is true about, I just want to make the Ninja brand as big and as good as it possibly can be, then I... If I were him, I would not be worried about the cash deal that I'm about to get from Twitch or YouTube. Because if he plays this right or streams to both at the same time or does whatever he does to maximize his brand, he could make way more money than any cash deal that yeah. they're about to offer him. 
I think now he knows because he saw when he went to Mixer, I'm sure he thought he's going to get a nice cash bonus and he's still going to have plenty of people that follow him and, and watch him. That didn't really happen. So I think now that he knows that and he was able to see what happened over on Mixer, he's going to be a lot smarter with it, just yeah. any kind of deal. I mean, I I would have thought that way more of his community would have followed him to Mixer. I mean, it's not like it costs money to sign up for Mixer just to watch, but people were like, no, I'm not going. They, it, like, they must have really hated it that much, which is unbelievable. I think it's just the process of making another account. It's just, you know, that yeah. little bit of work. Because he probably would have been okay if, if if there were people on Mixer, I guess. But no one wanted to go and make a new account. There were, that's just yeah. what happened. So. Especially when... He was the only thing on mm. Mixer. Yes, exactly. And then they got Shroud, which I guess helped a little bit, but not really the same community at all. No, he so. when Shroud came over, Ninja really didn't lose that many viewers because it's it, very different fan bases. Yeah. So, but, yeah. And I mean, speaking of Shroud, what, what do you have you seen yeah. all his little teasers? I've been following. Oh him. yeah. I, I love Shroud, so <laughs> I'm very curious to where he goes. He's actually one streamer where I'll sit there and watch him and his whole crew of. Him, Skadoodle, Binance, all mm. of them. If one of them's live, I try and pull them up. I try and always check in on their YouTube stuff. And I don't know if you've seen any of the YouTube stuff, but it's like best of Shroud right oh, now goodness. on YouTube. And apparently it ends, I think this article also said April 13th, or not April, August 13th. Mm. So that might be about when we get our announcement of what's okay. going to happen. Me hoping, he just got a $10 million payout for a couple months of work. And before all this, he said that the only reason he wouldn't go pro was because he couldn't stream and play pro at the same time. Yes. He just made $10 million off of streaming. <laughs> if he was that serious about going pro, then I think this would be the time where he does it. Yes. And I think it would be in Valorant because that's the game that he seems passionate about. That's the game he said he wanted to go pro in. Mm -hmm. Now, that opens up a very interesting conversation of where he goes because i believe skadoodle his friend that he normally plays and streams with uh, i believe went to t1 is a stacked roster mm. already so i would assume like that i feel like that would be a cool thing for them right to be friends together play pro together i think that would just be natural but does t1 have the spot for him will he request money to play i'm sure there has to be at least some kind of comp compensation but how much of this is him just wanting to do it versus you know what's the best play for his career i mean he came from being pro they can still produce youtube content off him competing yes his streams might not be there but i still think that he could maintain his audience throughout the next couple of years of him competing and be able to scratch that itch of being a true competitor and just wanting to be the best at a game like that again. Yes. I think that's what it is because he took that break or he just stopped in the competitive scene to play Siege for a little while, but he knew he was never really planning on... He, he just streamed that game. He had fun streaming it. And you might remember, but it was a few months ago where he said he liked Valorant enough that he would consider possibly playing it as an eSport. Um, so I, it's just exciting that it might actually be happening. I'm just set by all of the Shroud merch for whatever yeah. team that he's playing because I, I mean he he's like the guy that I watch most for sure. So mm. I would definitely support him. I hope he goes to a good org if he does one that 
you know, we can get behind and one that hopefully wins a whole lot. So it'll be much more exciting to watch to see him come back from streaming for years and actually still be at that very high level because mm. it is different. Like you, you can watch these guys, these pros absolutely destroy normal people or even ranked lobbies that are supposedly around their rank. But the, you just, you don't never get, you never, you can't understand the pro versus pro play and everything that goes into that these guys are just so much more talented than the average person and it, you you don't get that when you're just watching it you know cuz also when he's streaming he's in a different mindset than he is but if you're Valorant would you rather have him be someone who's streaming your game or someone who's now going to be on an esports team what's the better outcome if you're Valorant esports team yeah 100%. really really be because Valorant wants to be the big esports game. That's a good point. Meaning they want people to watch their tournaments. Mm. I'm much more likely to watch a Valorant tournament if Shroud's in it. Mm. Yeah, I guess and I if he's about a that. streamer, then he's not. You know, it's like when Bolo uh, from Rainbow Six, super famous Rainbow Six kid, he got famous for like these one taps through the wall that are just insane. His videos are ridiculous. Anyway, he wanted to be pro in Siege basically since the game came out. But he was too young. He was under 18 and he wasn't allowed to compete. I think some laws have changed since then. Maybe not with their league. But as soon as he turned 18, he got picked up by TSM and he started playing. And the amount of viewership like went crazy. And everyone was in the chat just asking, when does Bolo play? When does Bolo play? <laughs> and that, that's like all they were there for was to watch him play. And Shroud definitely has the type of following where it would be the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, Shroud's probably a bigger name. Uh, yes in esports yeah, so. yeah. Oh. but i i remember seeing it when valorant came out he was very competitive like i've never seen him play a game and like tell people what they were doing wrong mm-hmm. like normally when you see shroud play a game he's kind of laughing having fun hitting a ridiculous shot here and there and he's doing that but like his girlfriend Binance, they would play a valorant together and if he had died already and was spectating her and she did something wrong he was, and she died. He'd be like, you should have done this. You should have done this. You cool. should have done this. And I've never seen him done that, do that before. And it wasn't like in a rude way. It was just you could tell. He was like, I want me and my team to be the best possible people at this game. Yes. And he competed in some like streamer tournaments. I'm pretty sure he even won one of them. So I, I definitely think he wants to. I just hope he takes the step and goes for it and doesn't worry too much about his community or anything because I know for sure I will tune into every single esports event that he competes in. Yeah. Or I'll record it and watch it back or they'll I'm sure it'll be on YouTube somewhere, but Do you think he still has the skill that he used to? Cuz I mean, he's been streaming for a while. He's been out of the game, out of the competitive scene for a while. Is he still going to be that good? It's interesting. So Shroud, everyone, when you talk about Shroud, they say his aim's ridiculous. And he talked about this on a stream one time. There are people that are better at aiming out there than Shroud. Like Shroud's great, but there are some kids, like even like that kid Bolo and stuff like that, whose aim is just on a whole nother level. Now Shroud plays shooters pretty much eight hours a day. Obviously his aim is probably even on the upper end of a lot of pros still, I would say. But what makes him very unique is his game sense and his timing. So that's something I don't see a lot of other people have. And it it's weird how well it transfers for him between games. Mm. That plus his above average aiming allows him to be 
really, really good at games really, really fast. He was able to pick up Siege and hit Diamond like his second or third thing. Like Siege is a game. He, he didn't understand how the game worked at all, but he was just so mechanically gifted and knew how the timing worked in games like that that he was just able to pick it up and compete at that highest level even though he didn't know about this pixel angle that if you do this, you only, you know, we talked about Siege on the last one where you have to basically read a dictionary worth of information before you can even meaningfully play the game. Yes. But he was able to pick it up and hit the highest ranks, no problem. So yeah. it's something to be said. I, I think bringing in that natural talent and then if he's with people he likes, like a skadoodle and stuff that he knows he meshes with and they are actually practicing eight hours a day like pro teams do, I think that he will have no problem competing at that level again. Yeah, he, He's absolutely good enough. And it's just that little transition, I think, for him to get back into it, he's, he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, because he is so smart the way he plays uh i don't know it's like a it's like a quarterback or something who just knows how to break apart a defense he's smart enough that his technical abilities are good but watching him play i mean he just does things that are it's levels ridiculous. above uh, yeah just levels ahead of the competition um so i i think he'll be okay i know when skadoodle started practicing he was talking about it and Skadoodle wanted to be a Sage main, which is the healer, kind of an anchor of the, the Valorant teams most of the time. Mm. And uh, he would go into custom games alone before esports was even really announced as Sage and for four hours just put walls everywhere and just figure out if I put a wall wow. here, what can I see? And I can definitely see him and Shroud doing stuff like that because you're going to see them pull out something ridiculous in, in some of these games that absolutely turned it around. Yes. So. It, it's nice that if he doesn't end up going, what team did you say? Skadoodles. I think it's I think it's T one. T one. It'll be nice because, like you said, it, playing with someone who you play with often and that you know mm -hmm. you work well with, it'll it'll help him. Yeah. And they both played for Cloud Nine at one point. I'm not sure if they played together on Cloud Nine or not, but that's what they both played for Cloud Nine and CS:GO. Okay. Yeah. It's exciting. the The videos, the teasers that were posted, are pretty cool too. It's, but it's interesting because the guns he's using aren't Valorant guns, yeah. but then they glitch and there's Valorant characters. So it's like the reflection, which I yeah. assume because I think in the I don't know if it was the most recent one, the one he had on stream. It's the knife that I assume is a CS:GO knife, and I don't know, it's something. Mm -hmm. And then flipped onto it is the Valorant. So it's exciting. It is very exciting. I mean, that kind of makes sense in the the idea that the last pro game he played was CS:GO. Mm -hmm. If CS:GO weapons, and then the next one would be Valorant, since it's in the reflection. It's all and now that clever. it's been in the reflection, since it's been in the reflection multiple times, it's not just like they're picking random games. So, mm -hmm. I hope so. I I would love to see it. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. That's for sure. It's one of the most popular names out there. Um, I have, because it's a podcast, we get to have fun on the podcast. I have a little segment for you. Oh, God. So, <laughs> no, 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 it's fun. I did some research, and while I was looking up stuff about esports, there are some very interesting team names out there. Um, okay. So, I have a list. I got five <laughs> uh, esports names, or I got a couple that are real, and then I made up a couple esports <laughs> and you have to guess whether or not you think it's a real team name or a fake one all right let's hear it so the first one i have um the team name is z z z z just the letter z four times is that a real or a fake esports team name real 
real. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's good. That's yeah, it is, it is real. <laughs> Uh, you got one. All right, the next one is is just the letter A. That's fake. You think it's fake? Ah, yeah. that was that was real as well. That, that one's real. Yeah. Uh, it, it, just A. Is it a gaming just, organization or that's like the name of the team? The name of the team is just the letter A. What game do they play? Do you know? Uh, they had a couple. I think it was CS:GO. The, that one I think was a Swedish esports team. Was the letter A? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. How about this? We have we are soup. I feel like that's a real one. Ah, that's, that's a fake one. <laughs> I had to be creative because some of them I are know, so bad. I know, some of them are so crazy because, like, you have, like, ninjas in pajamas. Ooh. That, is that one of them? So the that next one real. I have is ninjas in pajamas. Yeah, that one's real. <laughs> that, they are real, yeah. Which They're also a Swedish esports team, so some they're doing something over there. They're just trolling everybody over there. Yeah, all right, last one, then, is Lemon Dogs. I've never heard of that, so I'm going to go with fake. It's also real, and also in a uh, Swedish esports team. <laughs> so did you just did you look up weird team names or just Swedish team names? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all, but yeah, it's it's a Swedish esports organization. They play Counter-Strike, Call of Duty, uh, what, FIFA. They, they play a bunch, but uh, yeah. Oh, my somehow, goodness. I just looked up weird esports, and there are a bunch more. This is, well, we're probably not going to do it every week, but eventually the segment will make a return. <laughs> I like it. You did I pretty like well. It. Yeah. But I think I got two out of five. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. You knew Ninjas in Pajamas, so you, you have yeah. to... They're uh, a pretty big org, though, mm-hmm. and they, they played Siege. Yeah, that, I'm gonna have to watch some. I'm going to have to watch some weird uh, eSports <laughs> to figure out some of these yeah. names. You can't look them up. Don't Google what I Googled, because there is just a list. There's <laughs> just a list of uh, eSports <laughs> names. Uh, I didn't look too deep into it. So one of the other things, and we could talk about it a little, because uh, we had someone on our Instagram bring it up, is I don't know if you watched Xbox's live, uh, their in-house game showcase that happened a couple weeks ago. I watched some of the games via Tim the Tapman's channel. Yeah. I, uh, I watched him react to some of the games that came out, but I didn't see like the actual console or anything. They so they didn't really say anything about the console other than the specs that some of the games are going to be running at, and it's actually impressive because they had a few that were uh, 120 frames at at 4K. Uh, most were 60 uh, frames yep. at 4K. But what most people are mad about is that Halo, right? Microsoft's big game, Halo, one of the biggest. Uh, it, it didn't look good. And this being on the new gen, the, the generation that, like every generation, is supposed to be the one that's better than PC gaming. Uh, and the game looked like it could have ran on the Xbox One day one when it came out. Uh, yeah. Do you think that, because you, you saw a little bit of the games, do you think that uh, like getting to 4K and 120 for console, is that something important no. for, for Microsoft? No, why, why not? I don't know a single person that plays on Xbox that has anything over a 60 hertz monitor. That's a good point. Because normally when you're playing PC games, you're probably connected to a monitor that's nice. Whereas if you're playing on a you know flat screen TV, none of them go up that high refresh that's, rate. That's the thing. Most people, that not everyone, the average Xbox owner is just playing on the TV in their living room. Even still. It's becoming more and more serious, but that's still mostly everyone. Your PC gamer... Much more likely to have a 240 hertz monitor or at least 144. I mean, that's what I have. My laptop has a 144 hertz monitor now. So that's like bare minimum 
now in the the PC gaming hardcore PC gaming world. So I don't think the 120 hertz uh, or uh, frames per second is a big deal for Xbox. Uh, 4K is nice. Honestly, I don't like it. I don't play games at 4K. Uh, if you're playing at that high refresh and that high resolution, your monitor is probably going to be about mine, maximum 28 inches. Mm. And that means you're probably going to be sitting about this far away from it. And they've already done studies that show 1440p to 4K. Like 1080p obviously is a, a big jump up to those 1440p and 4K. But once you're at 1440p, which is that in-between, it's not worth the jump from there to 4K. And it also enables you to hit those higher refresh rates mm. uh, on much more affordable budget hardware. So they're doing it for the the specs, but the specs don't really matter. If if you actually look at it, look at it and experience it yourself and see what you're playing on, the specs definitely don't matter. And also, frames per second makes a much bigger deal when you have very fast movements. But on a controller, you're not turning very fast. I know some people think you're turning fast. You're not turning fast compared to mouse at all. I mean, I remember watching Call of Duty League and I'm seeing some of these pro players play and it's so weird watching somebody play on console versus on PC because they just they turn at the same speed. And for me, it feels slow because I can just whip my mouse around and be 180 or 360 instantly. Yes. So I don't think that plays as big of a factor for them. Um, but we'll see. I'm not sure what the pros are playing on now. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still only 60, though, because I think they they're like Call of Duty. They have to play on PlayStation, which is similar. But yeah, I looked up right now in her 60 hertz refresh rate, like large screen TVs, 55 inch plus are becoming more normal. But I really think that a lot of people don't realize that the TVs they're playing on don't go up to 120 frames. They don't understand. So when Microsoft is saying all these numbers, they don't even realize that their screen probably does 30, you know? Yeah. That, the one that I used to have, it was just a 30 hertz monitor, and that's what I played yep. everything Xbox on. Yeah, so we're talking about 120. 120 hertz uh, monitor of that size is going to be very expensive. Yes. Cause you very, don't, very yeah, expensive. Yeah, it's not as simple as just doubling it. It, it gets... <laughs> and, yeah, and it's not going to be a 4K monitor. No, 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 no. No chance. Yeah, because I have the One X, and I I only ever put it in 4K mode if I'm watching videos on YouTube or I have a movie in. When I'm playing video games, I'd much rather have it at, at 1080 running at 60 or, or plus frames. And that's how it is pretty much in the PC world. I mean, there are people that do have the setups now that can run a 4K game at even 240 frames per second. If you want to pay for that hardware, you can. That's not what's going to be shipping in the Xbox. No. I they might there might be some games you get 120 FPS on, but it, that's also going to be super game dependent. Um, you're not going to get it on Call of Duty 100% because Call of Duty is super bloated. And the other th issue that I have with 4K is all these new games are starting to ship with these 4K textures, which it's going to be like Call of Duty, where I have to download a 250 gigabyte game and have a 100 gigabyte update every couple weeks. And that is painful, even on PC, where my download's going to be fast, and I have probably a bigger hard drive than what's going to go in your Xbox, and all of that on, on a solid state. I don't know if they're running solid state on Xbox or anything. I'm sure they are now. Yes. But even still, that's just, it's too it's too big, mm -hmm. and it's not worth it, in, in my opinion. Um, I think 
I think the Xbox team overestimates the hardware that most of their their players are using. That makes so. sense. And yeah, Season 5 just came out for Call of Duty. I think on Xbox that was a 55 gigabyte update just for that yeah. update. Um, and it's nice that we know that there are going to be solid state drives, SSDs, in the new Xboxes. And that's probably the thing I'm most excited for. Because uh, just running the, the operating system on that or, or just kind of loading it between some stuff. Yeah, ho- hopefully some load times on specifically games like GTA and stuff <laughs> will get picked up a lot because I, I remember watching Ben play that the other day and I was just like, oh my God, we're spending 15 minutes still on a yes. loading screen? That is... The game no. came out in 2013 and it still yeah. takes 15 minutes to load into online. Uh, yeah. Some of that is the, the servers, but having an SSD helps uh, compared to a hard drive. Yeah. It loads better. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that I'm very excited for. But one of the fears is that right now, one terabyte drives are standard on the Xbox One X. That's what it comes with. That's Not tiny. Enough. Nowadays, back then, you know, when it first came out, 2015 or something, that was fine. You you could do. I mean, even then, you had games that were 100 gigabyte plus, only a couple. Now, though, like you said, if I have Call of Duty and I'm updating it, and I have say Battlefield on there. Uh, I mean that's already a third you, of my uh, you get, half like of my four space. games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get four or five games. Yeah, um, and yeah, so I mean it, it just doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, they can't really go if they want to do solid state. Solid state's still expensive. They can't go get you a five terabyte hard drive and still make it uh, affordable either. That's going to cost the amount that the console costs to get a five terabyte solid state. Now they might end up doing some sort of caching system, but then you gotta like move between the drives, and I don't even know how that would work. It'll be a huge pain for them to do something like that. Yeah. But that's gonna be a real problem because people don't go buy games in person anymore, or they rarely do. You're gonna be downloading it off the store, and it's gonna be taking up hard drive space. Yeah. So. And Microsoft, one of the biggest things they push, their big money maker, is Game Pass. If I'm downloading all of those games digitally and I don't have the space, it doesn't work if if you don't have the space to download them. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's already such a problem just constantly having to delete uh, games off of the hard drive that if they don't fix that, it's going to be a big problem. So. Yeah. And especially if you're like, all right, I haven't played Call of Duty in a month, so I'm going to uninstall it. Free up 250 gigabytes on my, my SSD. And then... You're, you know, a week later, your buddy's like, yo, let's play Call of Duty. And you're like, all right, I'll re-download it. But then you got to wait basically a day to re-download it. I mean, some people have really good internet, so a couple hours. But even on the fastest internet, it takes a while. And then you might not have that space then. So then you got to go delete those other games that you just downloaded that yeah. are probably enjoying. So it's a pain. Yeah. And in the past, consoles, PlayStation's done it. Uh, the, Xbox One, or the Xbox One did it. The companies take a loss on the console. So it might cost them $500 to make it, and it retails for 400 and they do that knowing that they can make money off of Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. Um, more than likely, just with kind of rumors and estimates that have come out, Xbox is probably going to be taking a loss on the physical hardware of the console, but because of things like Xbox Live, um, Gold, Game Pass, and just the games like Halo, their, their software exclusives, they make that money back. So I'm hoping that of all the different features we get on the console, a solid state drive that is more than one terabyte is one of the things that we get. Yeah. Because it's something that players need to have to play more than just to have more than a couple of games downloaded at once. Yeah. Yeah, it will be disappointing if that's what they end up shipping with or if you have to pay more for uh, upgraded hard drive because mm. it's going to be an expensive upgrade, I think. But, yeah, I, I mean, 
I get it. The the hardware is is going to be good for the price and everything, but it's still very hard to compete with uh, what you get with a PC just all around because the hardware on PCs is always going to be a little bit better or you're going to be able to get better hardware on PCs. Um, and if you build a desktop, normally the only thing you're going to have to upgrade is the graphics card, and that's only every couple years, which is probably about the price of the console depending on which one you're getting. And you're going to be able to run every game faster than a console is going to run at a higher resolution rate. And you're going to have all these peripherals like 240 hertz monitor. You're going to have nice keyboards, nice mice. We were talking the other day about how often controllers go out, even if you take care of them. It's like if I'm paying $150 for a controller, uh, like even a scuff gaming controller, these fancy controllers, and my joysticks come loose after three months. What? No, I've had this mouse for probably four years now and it's cost the same price and it still works amazing so i there's definitely a quality battle plus i never have to pay for online for anything that's Uh, a big i get i get games for normally a quarter of the price unless it's a triple a title so it it probably ends up coming out to about even between which it just depends on what you want to play with so i believe it and if you are a huge Halo fan and you absolutely got to have that or whatever the console exclusives are because they have uh, Halo, Forza, stuff like that. PlayStation has their own as well. So if you're a fan of those games, you might go that way. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of games that only come out on PC too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the, and I want to look it up to make sure, uh, if you are a PC fan, most of what Microsoft is making now is coming to PC. Uh, so what used to just be an Xbox exclusive is now a Microsoft exclusive, which means Windows computers get it. Um, you know, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Halo 3 came out uh, on PC. So now, I mean, it, it, if you really want to play these games, you don't even need to own an Xbox anymore. It makes sense financially for them to do that because although the alternative would be me buying Xbox, which is a pain for me, and uh, they take a loss on it, like you just said, and then if I only buy that game, then they're probably not going to be winning very much off of that kind of customer. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if they give it to me, I'll buy it for $60, run it on my PC, and I'll probably buy some in-game stuff too because that's what we do now. And they'll probably make way more money off of me that way. That, that's kind of what you're hoping for. Rocket League announced about a month ago that the game is going to go free-to-play sometime this summer. The reason they're doing that is because they have their own Battle Pass system in the game, and they make so they make more money off of that than they do digital purchases. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the system that we're kind of seeing now that in a lot of countries, loot crates and randomized crates have been made illegal. We have a different system of monetization for games. And it isn't necessary. you know, it's not like back in the day where you bought a physical disc and then you went and bought DLC. Now, no. uh, you know, even DLC are kind of being done with. The season five for Call of Duty, it's free. Anyone can start playing it. But to unlock uh, the cosmetics or some of the new guns, you have to pay and, and use their battle pass. So Yep. It's, and that it, makes sense. Yeah. It's a very different strategy now where it's actually kind of nice because it rewards someone for playing the game. Uh, and most of the time, the things that are coming out in the battle passes aren't uh, like game-breaking. They don't give significant advantages. So it's it's just seeing kind of the way that games are making. They've changed how they're making money. And yet Xbox is still, I mean, other than Game Pass, uh, consoles are making their money just about the same way they've been doing it for the last 20 years and at this point, I don't know if the system, if it really works as well as it used yeah. to. 
But yeah, then there's games like Valorant who are completely free, but then a DLC pack's like a hundred dollars. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the right way to go either. <laughs> I mean, it is still just digital content you're talking about for one pack of skins. I'm going to pay for two Call of Duty like AAA title games, pretty much. That's a little much, but people are buying them, yeah. you know. So we'll see. We'll see how things progress. Uh, but as long as the games are positive enough to keep going and we're able to enjoy them then that's all that needs to happen yeah i mean i enjoy it i enjoy the current landscape of gaming i have fun uh with all of the different battle pass systems it's a lot better than microtransactions that had kind of bled their way into games a couple of years ago and, and still do kind of exist in some but it's the the system that is happening now for most gamers is fairly positively received so yeah most games have finally moved away from the pay-to-win system. Yes. No one is a big fan of the pay-to-win system. There, th- that should never be a thing in, in games, I, I think. But yes, in mobile games, that was a very big deal. And a bunch of games made a whole lot of money off of it, so it makes sense. But yeah, I, I would prefer games to main, remain mainly skill-based. Like, I could hop in Valorant and not have any any skins and still be better than somebody that spent $500 on skins in the game. And I think that's how it should be. It should just be something that you enjoy. You want your guns to look cool, show off to your friends, that kind of stuff. Yes. Man, most games are keeping it like that now. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, well, we hit just about 45 minutes. We did it. Episode two. <laughs> uh, Check. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add, talk about? I think I'm good for tonight. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for episode two uh, of Podcast by Ignite. Uh, as always, Wednesday, we will be streaming it live on Twitch, and then on Thursday, you can look for it up on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and, and we'll put snippets of it all around. Check in the description for our socials. You can go to the website, ignte.gg, to kind of see what we're up to. Uh, and that's all I have, so thank you for joining me, Emmett. Yep, thank you. All right. See you next week. See you guys.